Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, uh, check us out. Our website is calvary316.tv. You can also do .com, .org, .net, or Google us. Either way, you'll find us. Our service is at 1030. If you don't have a church home, I encourage you to check us out. Come be my guest. I do hope, regardless of where you're listening, that you stay with me over the next hour as we seek to deconstruct the negative perceptions of Christians by boldly and brashly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. Uh, One of the most important aspects of the Outlaw Radio Show is our desire to connect with you, the listening audience. Therefore, if you have any questions, if you want to challenge something that may have been said on this show, if you'd like to submit topics you want us to talk about, literally nothing is off limits. There are several ways you can reach me. First, by email, info at outlawradio.org. Facebook, The Radio Outlaw. Or Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at radio underscore outlaw. If you're interested in having your question played live on the air, you can always call me at 678-883-3316. Leave a voicemail. Uh, Please keep it pithy to the point, respectful. Once again, the phone number is 678-883-3316. Today's a special episode. If you were with us last week, uh, we began an, uh, an interview with Pastor Ed Taylor. Pastor Ed is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Aurora, uh, located in Colorado, just outside of Denver. He's been a pastor for about 20 years. And uh, and we're talking about church ministry. We're talking about ministry in the fishbowl, how to handle criticism, complaints. Uh, if you missed part one, I do encourage you to go to our podcast, which you can find at outlawradio.org. Uh, listen, uh, but regardless, without... Dragging my feet any further, hope you enjoy part two of our interview with Pastor Ed. Welcome, Ed Taylor. Hey, good to be with you, Zach. Man, this is the third time you've been on the show, and uh, we're making a habit of it. It's, it's, a great, it's a great avenue. I'm glad that the Lord really led you to do this. It's a great avenue for discussion, and, and I know I've been enjoying the podcast here in Colorado. Absolutely. The, it, it really is, you know, I think you kind of nailed it that, you know, there's... When you're behind a pulpit as a pastor, there is a certain weight, a certain responsibility uh, when it comes to the content and what you and what you're going to do, especially coming from from Calvary Chapel and our our heart to teach God's word and not necessarily bloviate on opinion, but to have this avenue to talk about things that uh, that need to be discussed. I, I, I'm with you. And the last time you were with us, we were we were talking about kind of life in the church fishbowl, pastoral ministry, pastoral life. And, um, and man, the, the, it was a fantastic interview. We've had great feedback from it, which is why you're here because there's so much more to discuss. And, um, and I want to start back with, um, this idea that without any criticism at all, that pastors have a self-imposed pressure. Can you pick up on that for a minute? It's true. We, we tend to, we tend to be the hardest on ourselves than even the harshest of critics or even and and I think we have as we're talking about criticism it it's really needs to be divided in I'm not okay let's start over I I'm not a fan of the word criticism okay I'm not a fan of of this idea that um that that even there's such a thing as constructive criticism because by the very nature 
Um, the criticism is defined as the expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. And I don't know how that can possibly be constructive. It's almost designed to destroy a person. But receiving feedback, input, wanting a relationship with someone, speaking out of observations and and wanting to help someone rather than trying to push someone's opinion there uh, is is of utmost importance mm. in the body of Christ, let alone with those in spiritual leadership. And and so with when it comes to criticism, it's always stings. Criticism always brings a sting to it. But I'll have to say, you you made a great uh, point when it comes to pastors because we don't even really need other people's criticism. We tend to be hard, hard on ourselves. We tend to never have a satisfaction level that other people have. I think some studies show that pastors are some of the least satisfied in their profession, the least satisfied. Uh, and one of the reasons is is that we're, pastors have a tendency to never be happy with what they give and, and who they are. And, and then you add to that, there's always, and even if you do, get to a place where you think I had a really good week. That was a really good counseling session. I I really, I was ministered to by the Bible study I shared. There's always somebody to make sure that they shoot an arrow your way to remind you, oh no, 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 you're not perfect. And I found this fault and you use this Greek word wrong and you didn't tie your shoe and your fly (laughs) was down. And my, I brought my neighbor for the very first time and, and you didn't even acknowledge, you didn't even look him in the eye, whatever it might be that, Criticism stings. I, I I don't I don't know why in our culture, uh, criticism has been elevated to to the high point that it is when it, it's neither constructive nor helpful. Usually, because criticism has a negative connotation. If you came to me and hadn't had input in my life, I wouldn't call it criticism. If you came to me and said, "Ed, I think I think you blew that show. I think that answer was horrible." Well, well, thanks, Zach. I appreciate that. <laughs> that that really is helpful. That that really benefited me for sure. You know, I, uh, I I find, um, and I don't know if if you share this experience. Um, the most exciting moment of my week is Sunday morning. Um, nine times out of ten, the most depressing part of my week is the drive home, um, and that's without that's without anything because I'm yeah. self critiquing. I. I, I could have said this differently, or man, there was a point that I'm now thinking of that would have been great in the Bible study if I had just remembered it. Like, it, it, there's almost an, an an angle where people people should understand. You, you can say nothing to your pastor, and he's going to drive home depressed anyway. Um, and then if you shoot off that email, it compounds things. Like it's it's very difficult in pastoral ministry from that angle. Am I am I just crazy, or do you, or does that strike a chord? No, I think that the in addition just to the drive home, waking up on a Monday morning is often one of the worst days for a pastor during the week. And you know, let's face it, uh, we do bring a lot of that on ourselves. If if we're in the spirit and we really trust God with the church, then we're excited by what happened, faults and all. We're excited by the Amen. the fact Amen. that people came back. You know, I'm, I'm as a church planter, uh, I learned this, but I, I was. I was not too surprised that people would visit our church uh, in the early days. And even to the to this day, I'm not too surprised that people visit. But for them to come back after a visit uh, is is a tremendous thing. And 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 it's a it's a it's an honor to have a family come back a second time or a third time and and actually learn to to teach the Bible to them or minister to them in the context of a local congregation. But we're in a world as pastors where 
not only do we critique our own performance, but then there's always Chuck Swindoll, and he nails the passage, you know, and then and then there's uh, then the other Bible guy on the radio, and then that other Bible teacher, and then That's right. we're in a city with these huge mega churches that That's right. they they get all the attention, they get all the news, and then and then there's the internet, and now you know I, there's there's and before you know it, this is the essence of our sin, and let's just call it what it is as pastors. This is the essence of our sin. We become very fleshly and human in looking at the church. Therefore, when our when our eyes are on ourselves, we will never measure up. But but when we have Jesus high and lifted up, and as he's holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, when he's in his rightful place, then even the drive home on Sunday will be a joy because my kids are in the car, my wife's in the car, hmm. we're going to enjoy. Life was changed, even if I didn't physically see it. Like, you know, somebody might be listening in and go, I never see anybody give their life to Jesus Christ in our church. And, and that's discouraging. Well, don't let it be too discouraging because if your pastor taught the Bible and the, the people that were leading in worship led in song, God's word isn't going to return void. And you just never, never, ever know what God's doing. But if we see him, we're just going to leave the results to him. And, and, I, and I would say if you're, if you're in the audience and you're thinking, man, I'm really bummed out that no one gets saved in the church that I go to, the best thing you can do is maybe get saved and the church that you're going to. Uh, maybe it's time for you to come forward, that that's what, that's what we've been waiting on. You know, you, uh, I know, I, just being a friend, I know you've, you've pastored Calvary Chapel Aurora for almost 20 years now. What, what's the one thing you love most about, about pastoring that church? The, the thing that has risen to the top of ministry life is is relationships, which is also, if you ask the question, what's the greatest pain in ministry? It's broken relationships. But I'm I'm in awe and I'm shocked and I'm constantly brought into a place of humility when I think of the privilege that I have and that people trust me to communicate the Bible to them and they trust me to oversee or officiate a wedding or a funeral. Mm. They trust me and to come to the bedside at a hospice visit, they that 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 knowing where I came from, knowing my life before I was saved, knowing how how rebellious and and how hurtful I was to society, the best thing about ministry is is doing what God's called me to do and actually seeing people grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and seeing people's lives change just like mine. Like I I've always wanted to pastor a church. Uh, as long as I've desired to, God put that desire to plant a church in my that that a guy like me could walk into, and this life can be changed, and 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 that means a lot in a lot of different ways. I think you and I might have talked about that in a previous show, but like I was messed up as messed up could be, and I walked into a similar church. The gospel was preached, and my life was forever changed. And now I get to do this. Hmm. Um, you know, I love studying. I love teaching. Uh, I I love. The, the discipling. I love sending guys out to plant churches. I love missionaries. I love all of that. But what I love the most is that God would put me into a place in someone's life where they trust me. And I value that trust more than I value gold or silver. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't, I can't believe. I really, it's hard to believe at times. Let me, um, let, let me flip it. Let me flip it, flip it for a second because um, the, re, the reality is it's not all glamorous. So what's the, the one thing that you like least about pastoring? They kind the of in general. I 
I, the thing I love the least about pastoring is yeah. being st- stabbed in the back or in, even more so being stabbed in the front by people that I've entrusted ministry to, that they've betrayed me, lied to me my, to my face, and uh, have made sure that on their exit that they try to hurt me, they try to hurt my wife, they try to hurt my kids, uh, and mm. seem to have a perpetual, and maybe people don't understand what happens behind the scenes, but there's this perpetual, I'm going to make your life miserable the rest of your life, uh, because for whatever reason, you know, that they don't take a, these are believers, the, the, the biggest hurts I've ever experienced in life, and I'm almost 50 years old now, the biggest hurt I've have been from people in our church, this church here in Colorado, hmm. that were entrusted, probably the closest serving in ministry with me, the closest, like, like David declares in the Psalms, you know, that when Ahithophel turned on him, uh, and Ahithophel had his reasons, um, but he had, there's no reason to sin. Like, there's no good reason to sin, ever, never. So you're listening in right now, even if your reasons are good, the, the idea is to, to respond in forgiveness and unity of the Spirit. There's never any a good reason to sin. But the worst part of ministry is, is what people have done to my family and uh, what they're con- currently, as I'm speaking right now, doing to my family through gossip, through trying to purposely hurt. You know, you, you know that old saying, Zach? You might have said it when you were a kid. Um, but sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. <laughs> it was a moron whoever said it. Yeah, whoever said that doesn't know what they're talking about because words. So I, 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 I mean, I've lived I, again. I'm old, I'm old now. You know, I was young once, and now I'm old. But I, I don't. I can't really remember anybody throwing rocks at me. But uh, people's words they do hurt. And and you go after my. I would just say you go after my wife and kids. Yeah. Um, that that's just that's just so sinister and devilish. That's all it is. Well, and one of the things that makes the statement just ironically false is that. Uh, broken bones um, heal fairly quickly, yeah. um, but the wounds caused through words, um, man, they take a long, long time yeah. uh, to fully mend. And uh, and you know, I think you really do set the stage for a direction that I want to talk about um, discussing pastoral ministry, but also its effect on on you know your wife your kids. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. More with the Outlaw Radio Show. Hi, my name is David Guzik, and I'm a friend of Zach and the entire team at Outlaw Radio. One of the things I like most about Outlaw Radio is Zach's desire to challenge Christians to think critically, ask relevant questions, and then pursue answers on their own. The sad reality is too many Christians don't know what they believe, yet alone why they believe what they do. This is why, in addition to Outlaw Radio tackling the tough topics you might not hear at church on Sundays, their desire is to equip, inspire, and challenge you to dig into God's Word and wrestle with these complex topics on your own. To help you in this process, Zach wanted me to let you all know of two free resources essential for any serious Bible student. Aside from my full Bible commentary available at EnduringWord.com, the resources you can access at blueletterbible.org will truly transform the way you study the Bible. Aside from their treasure trove of free commentaries, blueletterbible.org also has an incredible word search function, making it easy to dive into the original languages behind a biblical text. So if you want to dig deeper into your study of Scripture, check out EnduringWord.com as well as 
blueletterbible.org. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, Pastor Ed is is with us. We're talking about life and ministry, and um, and in discussing some of the things that that he likes least about the ministry, and I think every pastor uh, would heartily agree, it's being stabbed in either the the chest or the back by people that you trusted, people that you were that you, that you trusted in the foxhole along with you, and and then the the impact that those things have uh, on your wife. And your kids, and um, and so I kind of want to I want to transition that direction, Ed. Um, how do you protect your wife and kids from the uglier side of pastoral ministry? This life in the fishbowl. Well, I have to say, in the beginning, I didn't do a very good job of that. I I didn't know how to do it, so I was learning along the way. But if I had to, if I had to to prioritize, I haven't really looked at this as a list. But talking out loud here, the 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 one way that I would do my best. Uh, and that I probably do now as I analyze my life is I, I try not to bring things home with me um, because ministry is 24-7 and I'm carrying burdens and I'm carrying things. I, I want the I want my home to be a refuge. I want my home to be a place as well as I want the guys that serve alongside of me in pastoral ministry to have sort of a refuge in their home. I mean, there's some things we can't control uh, that, that, that I might have to take a phone call or a text or something. But for the most part, I'm not going to bring things home with me and 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 something I learned real early on was to publicly, uh, to the congregation, to our f- church family, remind them that my kids are not pastors' kids; they're kids. So let them be kids. And and on occasion, thanking them for treating my kids like anyone else. They're kids. They're going to do kid stuff. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to do. They're kids. They're they're not. They're nothing more uh, than than anyone else's kids in the church. And. And my wife is my wife, and and uh, she's the love of my life. So don't she's not my assistant pastor. Um, she's not responsible. And just setting the tone of this is how we're going to do ministry here. Um, this is th- this is what it looks like in terms of my family. And and I have to say, you know, it's a painful, uh, it's it's a painful thought to to bring up because you know, with my son, uh, with my son being in heaven now. I've gone. I've done so much reflection on how I could have done things different with him. He's my firstborn, and even in the context of the church, I have to say it all. Me and Eddie were were great. We we talked through all these things, so it wasn't something that just came up. But man, I'll tell you, if I was doing all over again, you know, it 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 would be different in the sense of even the unspoken pressures uh, or the unspoken things that pastors go through. But man, I pro- I protect. The, I fiercely protect my family and and I do that as unto the Lord um, my family has been they're my first ministry I, I'm not a pastor if I'm not a pastor at home um, I, I have no effectiveness in the pulpit if I don't model for the church what it should look like in the home and that's what my goal has been to model what a man of God looks like at home first and and just keep them out of certain conversations don't talk about things when the kids are in the room you know and um, don't talk down on the church uh, don't talk down on the leaders um, to the best of your ability. It, it just don't do it. Don't get into that habit. Don't do it personally or publicly. Don't do it privately. Just don't do it and pray for people more. Right. As as Calvary Chapel Aurora grew, as as the needs of the church naturally began to to multiply, um, you know, you were obviously probably the first hire. You know, taking a small salary to meet your needs, but you do reach a point in the in the process of, of church growth 
where you have to start recruiting and equipping and employing a help. Um, what was the what was that process like at Calvary Chapel Aurora? Well, back in the early days, um, I wanted to delay the employment of any staff for a couple of years so we could save money because we could see ahead of time that there was no facility really in our community that we could purchase and refurbish. We would have to buy land and build, which is mm-hmm. a little bit more expensive than than the regular way. And who knows? I, I didn't think we'd build so fast. I thought we it would take us 20 years or something. We'd meet in a school forever. And and so I, I when it came to staff, I purposely delayed it. But but to the point where I could delay no longer, the first person we hired was a fine young man uh, as our first assistant pastor who I had served with in California. And he had moved his family out here. He's now pastoring a church in Denver, um, but he was our first assistant pastor. And I felt that that was the, uh, looking back, uh, that I felt like that was the best hire is to hire a, an assistant pastor. But I have changed my mind. Uh, and I, I, tell, I tell folks as they're, processing their first hire that they sh- my advice is if they're asking for it is do not hire an a pastor an assistant pastor first instead hire a a personal assistant first and i'll tell you why interesting a, yeah a pastor kind you kind of think that a pastor will multiply your ability to serve the congregation but actually, a pastor doesn't doesn't double the amount of work being done. Actually, a pastor doubles the amount of work that you have to do uh, as a pastor because now you're delegating and following up, delegating and following up, delegating. So now you've got all your work plus all his work and following up, hmm. um, which is the normal model. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not a negative model. It's just the facts. And so in a growing church that's maybe going from 50 to 100 or 100 to 200, somewhere in that range... The first hire sh- shouldn't be, I mean, it's my advice, shouldn't be, because you can get those things done with elders, um, spiritual elders that that, that have a heart Absolutely. and a calling to do Absolutely. that. You know, that the most underrated role in the church is the elder. But, Amen. But instead, when you hire an assistant, a personal assistant, male or female, it doesn't matter, um, they double your output because w- when you ask them to do something, they just get it done. They get it done. Type, can you type this letter? Make these five calls. Uh, can you make sure the bulletins are in order? Can you do, you, you can, that, that's what they do. You know, I, I, I have an assistant uh, now that is the best assistant I've ever had. And, and that's just what she does. She just takes care of stuff. Boom. And she takes care of stuff that I don't even think about. Whereas an assistant pastor is a different type of take caring, taking care of stuff and n- just as needed for sure. But if I was to do it all over again, I would have hired an assistant first, then an assistant pastor. Well, let's go back to the way that you did do it. So, so you hired you hired an assistant pastor. Yes, and uh, take it from there. Like you, you kept adding staff, right? I mean, you you were growing. Yeah, we we started adding. Uh, we we did a full time assistant pastor, and then I hired an assistant, and then I hired a an intern, a couple of interns, and we. We collectively, in my view of staff, if you paid staff, is that our lives are spent to make it easier for the volunteers to do their work. We're the ones that have access to the copy machines, to the function of the church, to the PO system. All of we, our responsibility is to serve the volunteers as well as serve the church. And and so, as needs arose, we would begin to pray about God. How would you fill this need? To the point where, in the last few years, 
our our the the strategy if you will that we use for hiring was more along the lines hey i think we've got this idea um let's see if the lord's in it and we bring somebody on like when we launched into television we we didn't just do a television program we actually leased a television channel uh <laughs> and so that we had 24/7 act that was a big step for us um to and we needed somebody to do that. So the, the Lord gave us the station first and then we matched it with a guy or same with radio. You know, we didn't, we did produce a radio program, but then the Lord said, I want you to purchase a station. Then I want you to purchase a says. And so, you know, you have to be flexible and malleable to what the Lord is doing and, and, and be okay if it doesn't work out. Well, that leads me to the next question. Have you, have you had to either fire someone or have someone on your, your, your pastoral staff quit over disagreements? We have, we've had, we haven't seen a lot of that, but I've, we've seen a little of both. We've seen uh, disagreements and, and people upset and resigning. And we've also seen the need for um, op, um, a decision that, that to be made that, you know, we're just not like-minded and we need to part ways and we make the decision. Um, most of the time when it's made, when that decision is made, it's almost always ugly, unfortunately. Um, they're just, it's, it's almost, is as clean as you want to make it people take personal offense they don't remember the initial interview that we said hey this may not be forever this this may be whatever god has and and um and then you know if you're dealing with someone that is not faithful and is lazy or stealing or in internet pornography it's never their fault it's always the church's fault and it's unfortunate but most of those times it's not been pretty what kind of impact does that have on you personally because i know you, you you carry the burden you know their you you know their wives you know their kids you're you know you're involved uh there, there's a personal angle to this isn't it yeah i i don't like it at all i mean i i don't i don't like the separation part at all i don't like it when somebody doesn't that leaves the church i don't like it when we have to let a staff member go or a volunteer moves on i i, I but i appreciate it in the sense that the church belongs to the lord and I've learned over the years to serve the people that I have while I have them and to be faithful. That's what I'm going to answer to God for, to serve the folks in front of me. And if, it, if there comes a place and time in their lives where they don't believe I can serve them well, um, then they really do need to find a pastor to serve them well. And when it comes to staff, you know, um, when it comes to staff and, and relationships that I don't, I don't hire employees. That, that's not how I approach this. This is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And and so I, I hire co-laborers. Uh, I believe God has raised up people to serve within our church. Uh, we raise up people from our church. We don't go to findachurchpastor.com uh, or those places to find staff. We look within our church, within the people of our congregation, so that you know when, when um, difficult things happen and, That's and right. we have to let someone go, That's it's tough. very hard. It's very, hard. It's very tough. Uh, when we come back from this quick break, I want to talk a little bit about how you handle criticism, whether it be publicly or internally. And so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. More with Ed Taylor here on the Outlaw Radio Show. Hey, thanks for joining us today for the Outlaw Radio Show with Pastor Zach Adams. Again today, Zach has spent some time with Ed Taylor, pastor of Calvary Chapel Aurora. Be sure to stay with us for part two. Zach and Ed continue to talk about advice from one pastor to another.
You're listening to part two of the Outlaw Radio Show. Pastor Zach is continuing to talk with Ed Taylor about how he accepts and processes criticism. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We're with Ed Taylor and we're talking about life as a pastor and and handling criticism. And and I want to kind of start off with with this topic, but kind of from a different angle. And, And it's really more from kind of the behind the scenes, pulling back the curtain, but when it comes to conflict that naturally arises within a leadership team, um, Ed, how do you how do you balance transparency with the people while at the same time protecting the flock? So when there is a disagreement, when there is conflict, when there sometimes is a parting of ways, um, how do you strike that balance about being transparent but also not airing dirty laundry, so to speak? Well, as a leader, I have a responsibility to protect the flock, even if I don't agree with them, or even if they've stabbed me in the back or the front, my responsibility is to the Lord first, and and He loves them, and He cares for them, and and while there might be an earthly disagreement between us, it's not my responsibility to exact vengeance or exact uh, retribution or to make things equal. My my responsibility is to continue to love and serve the flock, even if they are perceived to be rebellious or even hurtful. So when it comes to when it comes to communicating any of those changes, um, the the people they're responsible to communicate their own changes. Um, for me, as a leader, if if it's even necessary that I say anything, it will be very positive. Uh, I will find something positive in it, and I will stay on the positive side. It's not it's not my responsibility to to make you know as you declared it air dirty laundry, but it it's not even my responsibility to say there was dirty laundry. It's if if it's really as bad as it is, then the Lord will deal with it. He'll reveal it. But I have an opportunity, you know. So so let's say I've got uh, I've got all these people in front of me on a Sunday morning wanting to hear the Word of God, and ten people that are mad at me and have gone to another church. Who am I going to focus on? I'm going to focus on the Lord and the people that are in front of me, and I'm going to pray for the ten people because I have seen over the years, you know, it, I have seen over the years reconciliation. And forgiveness. I have seen time and and a little bit of just looking back on things that that there will be folks that say, you know, Ed, you were wrong, and I can admit that. And then they'll say, but you know, I was wrong too. And man, we let this go too long. I, I have seen that, but I'm I'm not going to, in any way, not even behind closed doors. I'm just going to commit them to the Lord and keep doing what I've been called to do. Okay, let me let me add some meat and tendons to the bones, and, and this will this will refer back to a thread of conversation we had in our previous episode. And so if you, if you missed that, go to outlawradio.org, subscribe to the podcast, find it, listen to it. But you mentioned, and it was, you kind of even classified it as a superficial uh, disagreement criticism. And, and it was, you, you took some decor in your sanctuary off the wall. You replaced it with some new technology and you got some backlash as a result of it. And a lot of this backlash uh, was public. It was put on social media it was uh like people in your congregation knew you were being criticized for this um did you did you talk about it publicly did you or did you just once again hand it to the lord and just you did nothing about it i with that particular instance we we handled it like anything else we just this was a good change this is what the lord led us to do and I have no need to defend myself to a small group of people that um, don't want to handle it correctly, you know. And and neither do I have a need to defend myself of something that's false. Like that, 
we could go around putting out fires all day long and never do real ministry uh, when we can just commit the fire starters to the Lord and let him do it. <laughs> I like that. And, I like that. It's. I have to say, you know, talking to you right now um, without any social media open on my computer and you and I are just having a conversation, it's, it's, it's easier to have this conversation than it is to respond in the moment because you've got adrenaline, you've got your mind, you've got, you know, sometimes people attack you and, and maybe you were raised you know, in a situation where that, that, that maybe your dad was like that. And so now this clicks and you go, Oh no, I'm going to defend mom from dad. And it like, it, it's much more complicated than a conversation, um, provides. However, even in the complications, the Holy spirit gives us that, that fruit of self-control and gentleness. And if I'm not in sin, the, 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 the things that I take serious are the things that relate to sin and and if there's a known sin in my life, like if it's pretty obvious, changing the decor in the room, I don't believe is sinful. Um, I don't. I don't believe that's sinful. You know, <laughs> right. even if somebody, it is a cross, taking it off is not is yeah. not a, the cardinal sin. Well, you know, somebody says, uh, you know, and I would take that money and buy Bibles. Well, my gosh, we we buy thousands and thousands of dollars of Bibles again. What what should we do? Should we buy thousands and thousands of more Bibles and put them in a room somewhere so that we could satisfy you? Um, that's not going to happen. We we do buy. I mean, the criticisms are pretty laughable at times because you can tell whether the person has a relationship with you, um, not only by their name, but by what they say, uh, because they obviously don't know what they're talking about and you can just dismiss it. Do you think we often get, um, it's, it's easy to fall into the trap of mistaking the voice of one or two critics as the, the general opinion of the majority? I believe that's very easy to do, and and we do that willingly. Unfortunately, we we attribute so much more weight to someone's criticism than there really is. But let's flip this for for a second, because it would be easy for people to think, well, then you know, pastors are above criticism. Not at all. No, no. Actually, people's opinions and feedback are important, but they need to be delivered in such a way where resolution is the goal, not destruction, and. And that's what social media and our previous thing, you know, it's people, we have lost the art in our culture. And I think politically, um, social media wise, we've lost the, the art of disagreeing agreeably. Like I can disagree with Zach, but not destroy him in the process. Like, because I'm going to have a barbecue with him, or I know he's raising a family, or I'm connected to his family in extension, and we're part of a par- bigger family, and we're part of the family of God. Like, it's okay if Zach and I disagree on X, because right. we have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O, P, and we can agree on so much more that I don't need to destroy you. I actually value you more than than my opinion. And you know, I just what Paul said. I wonder if that's what he was dealing with in the book of Philippians, where he said, you know, let's think of others more highly than ourselves. It's a uh, it's the difficult the difficult position to be in when. You get criticized publicly, but you're trying to you're trying to be like Jesus. You know, you're trying to handle this in, in a godly way. And so just and, and I'm gonna ask this personally. When when you get criticized publicly, from a very practical standpoint, is there a process like like you see that thing, that post on Facebook that's that's you know, ripping the church for this or that? Like walk me through a few steps. Like how do you practically handle that? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Uh, I have purposely left Facebook behind. 
and I don't use it uh, as in terms of an information gathering source anymore. I still post to it. I have a program where I don't have to literally be on Facebook because I don't want to lose that medium uh, because of all the craziness on there. But I, I'm not on that anymore. So that was one solution. Uh, one solution was uh, they don't have that avenue in my life anymore. Um, they, that they will not be able to reach me personally through Facebook anymore. Um, because, and I'm not going to even be tempted to jump into a fray with them. Um, because, uh, you know, I think it was one, once said, uh, if you jump in, if you jump in and wrestle a pig with a, in the mud, the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to get muddy. And right. Right. I'm not jumping into the mud with them anymore. And, uh, and that was a resolution I made because, you know, in my life, I also had a group of people that actually used the death of my son against me, vicious oh. Christ, so-called Christians, um, that, that are act, that even actively, and I, I won't, I won't go there anymore. And, and so I have somebody that takes care of that for me now, um, because I won't do it. If they really have a concern, people know how to get a hold of me. Uh, people that know me know how to, our church, my, my personal email address is communicated to my church. That goes to me. It doesn't go to my s- assistant. So people can come to me after a service. Uh, they can reach me through the office. They can email me personally. Like we can, we can have, uh, a, if necessary, a conversation about concerns, a conversation about improvements, uh, uh, ideas. That's what real relationship is all about. But to pot shot me on the internet and to shoot a blog after me um, isn't worthy of a response from me. You and know, I, I just want to add, we did an episode recently where we were talking about social media and Facebook and whatnot. And, uh, and I think as Christians, it's, it's time for us to have a serious dialogue about the benefits. I mean, there are ministry benefits, but I'm not sure if, if we're at, at a point where the pros outweigh the cons. And I, I know for my wife, Jessica, she's made the decision recently to, to also get off of it. And, and, and it's amazing how happier she is that she's just not being, being weighed down by all this stuff. Well, listen, we're running against a hard break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere on the Outlaw Radio Show. One of the missions of Outlaw Radio is to bring your attention to ministry resources that will benefit your personal study of the Bible and spiritual growth. With this in mind, we want you to check out Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Not only is their vision to help the thinker believe, but they exist to help the believer think. To accomplish both of these aims, their website, rzim.org, is filled with tons of free resources aimed at not only answering your own difficult questions, but with the intention of providing the necessary tools to defend your faith in an ever-growing, hostile world. Once again, you can learn more about Ravi Zacharias International Ministries by visiting rzim.org. That's rzim.org. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We, we, we wrapped up the last segment talking a little bit more about social media, Facebook, criticisms, etc. cetera. Uh, and Pastor Ed had just, he had one more thought he wanted to share. So Ed, Ed, go for it. I, I think a concrete example of how to handle things of people that I know and have a relationship with is in order. So I came back from a ministry trip and, and somebody had seen something on Facebook that appeared to reference me passive aggressively without mentioning my name and they sent it to me uh, I know the gentleman and so I immediately reached out directly to the gentleman personally I didn't respond on Facebook I didn't I mean I'm not on it so I couldn't respond but I, I know the brother and I asked him I said somebody sent this to me and it sounds even though you didn't use my name it sure does sound like you're describing me 
how can I help you? Uh, because what was written was so untrue. And, and then within 15 minutes or so, the brother got back to me and said, no, it's not you. And he started explaining. And I said, you know, Facebook isn't the right way to do this, bro. You could call me. You have my number. Um, you could come to my house. You can see me at the office. That kind of conversation where if I know the person um, and, and there's a valid, open issue that we can solve, because that's my whole goal. I just want to solve it because the more time I spend on arguing with believers, the less time that I'm able to spend at the bedside of a, of a brother like David right now is it in hospice. He and his wife need encouragement. Uh, why am I spending four hours trying to convince a believer that I'm not what they think I am? Like, you're wrong. And, and if you want to talk about it, great. But man, I, I've got to do the work of the ministry and I'm supposed to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes that lead to nothing. And that's part of the motive of getting off of Facebook. I'm avoiding them. I'm not just not participating in them. I'm obeying the Bible to avoid them. Are you on Twitter? Do, do you, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter and I do use Instagram. Yep. So, but while you're not on Facebook, when you're tweeting, that's actually, that's actually you. It is actually me. I use a program though. So like even while we were talking, something could have gone out because I use a program to pre-schedule things. And basically what happens with Twitter, if it's not some goofy thing I'm doing in life, is something I'm reading. Um, and I just, oh, this is a great quote. And I have a little uh, button on my iPad or on my computer that can schedule it and say, hey, auto schedule this and just send it out at the best time. And that's and I, that, that's good because on a very serious note, um, I tend to, to talk trash back and forth with Ed Taylor on Twitter about the Braves and the Dodgers. And I just want to make sure that that's actually you and not some Russian no, bot. No, it is me. It's, it is me. It's and, actually you. And, and you know, with somebody, you, you got to give some kind of opportunity for men like you to express themselves. Well, as a Braves fan, we have very positive, very, very few positive opportunities to express well, anything. And because of our conversation, <laughs> Zach, too, before we get on to the next question, you know, yeah. if you ever want to extend to me a bona fide real invitation to meet your wife and your children and your church family. This is and maybe ridiculous. even go to a even go to a Braves this game is, in the new stadium. <laughs> this is ridiculous because last month you were supposed to be here and you bailed. You yeah, bailed. No, we, first time true. the first time I uh I backed out. That's that's evident. But the second time uh it's it's all on you brother well listen i mean we're we're running out of time there's just one or two more questions that i have just to wrap up this whole topic but you know with with all the things that we've been talking about um from internal criticisms to external public criticisms to uh you know the, the own weight and burden that you carry to to things that get heaped on top of you um what kind of impact do these things have on a pastor and his family that most people are just completely oblivious to? Well, it brings a heaviness and a weight into the home, uh, it, 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 especially if, if you haven't learned how to handle it in a way where you cast your cares upon the Lord. It, it brings a weight. You know, I could come home discouraged and immediately my, the whole atmosphere of our home is discouraging or I could come home upset with someone and, um, or, or even uh, maybe, you know, watching, again, <clears throat> what we're talking about is so much bigger than a, a, a quick radio show, but I could just think of the times where my kids would make friends in the church and then their parents would get mad and then leave the church. And now my daughter doesn't have friends anymore. Uh, yeah. It, it's, 
yeah. it was so painful and so difficult as I watched that happen over the years where um, just so much conflict that's unnecessary, although I guess we all learn from it. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that I've experienced in our family is just the heaviness because we really do take the ministry seriously. We really have laid, as many pastors have, they, we have laid our complete life serving Jesus in this way. This is it. We have gone all in. This, this, There is no escape route. There is no plan B. This is what God's called us to. And you can't say that's true for everyone in the church. They got plan B and plan C, and usually it, it involves destroying somebody as they leave. And that's a painful thing. But you know what? Here's the thing. Let's put it in context. If we're truly following Jesus, for all the good that he did, they murdered him torturously. They murdered our Jesus. They sure and, did. And, and partied about it afterwards and celebrated it. How much, and, and there are people dying for their faith around the world right now. And, and so if I'm following in his footsteps, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. You mentioned in, in our, our earlier episode about the, the pressure of pleasing people and how early in ministry you fell you know, prey to that trap. And, uh, and the more I've just marinated on that thought is, is there's only one person that I'm called to please, and that's Jesus. It's, it's his opinion and his opinion only. Uh, the, the most glorious words I want to hear, uh, the, most, the most incredible words I hope to ever hear are, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. And um, just wrapping up with the three minutes that we have, if, if there's someone listening and they're going, to the, they're, they're going to a church, they're plugged into a church, and they know their pastor is struggling, what advice would you give them? You know, if you know your pastor's struggling and you have the opportunity to communicate with him, uh, going up after a service and praying for him, uh, telling him that you're praying for him during the week and actually literally doing that. I mean, that that spiritual, the spiritual side of, we <laughs> speak a lot about the physical side, but the yeah. spiritual side is where the battle was won. But, you know, really come, in, come into align, uh, alliance with your pastor affirm his gifting, appreciate his gifting, teach your kids, raise your next generation. And really your pastor may, may, may never even experience this, but future generations will. Praise your kids to respect the pastor, to respect the institution of the church, not necessarily the legalism or anything that, not, not, I'm not speaking like that, but like this is God's plan, the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, not that it has to look a certain way, but teach your kids to appreciate authority, uh, to submit themselves to authority, to to even maybe pray about becoming authority themselves one day, uh, and you know, and gift cards practically, you know, again, little gift card here, a little note there. Uh, I have a family that gives me used books um, about every quarter. Um, she just when she's she's thinking of me when she's at a used bookstore and will give me this, um, you know, this this book that's on her heart you know and what it does i have one right here it's in front of me but what it does is that man people really do love me and pray for me and i appreciate that and it always reminds me to pray because her husband's a police officer who was in the aurora theater shooting and and i'm always reminded to pray for them and just to encourage them and it's it's a beautiful thing to walk in love uh in agape love and just to appreciate the best in someone instead of always pointing out the worst amen to that i i i don't pastor a church nearly the size that you do um, but it, it is, to me, one of the greatest appreciations is when someone just shows up 
on Sunday, <laughs> you know, when, yes. when someone's sitting there and like, hey, I know you were cooking a meal all day, uh, all week, and I'm here to eat, brother. So, so let's bring it. So, yeah. I, li- listen, man, I gotta, I gotta tell you that I am just so honored and appreciative of you and your ministry. And I know these last two episodes, this su- the subject matter, it's personal, and sure. uh, and your your willingness to be open and raw. Uh, with the audience. I, I just thank you, Ed. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, you're welcome. God bless you, bro. God bless you. You've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. If you like what you heard, I encourage you to do two things. First, please contact your local station and tell them you're thankful, not just that they exist, that they're carrying the program that they are in your community, but they've taken a flyer and they've got Outlaw Radio airing as well. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is to visit our website, outlawradio.org. From the site, you can easily uh, access our podcast, which is available (laughs) on iTunes as well as Google Play. You can listen again to this episode or part one with Ed Taylor or anything we've ever done. It's all on the podcast. Uh, You can download it. You can subscribe so it comes to you automatically. Cool stuff. Additionally, let me once again encourage you to connect with me via Twitter at radio underscore outlaw. You can send me an email at info at outlawradio.org or you can follow us via facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Once again, we're so grateful that Pastor Ed Taylor uh, was willing to join us for two episodes. As always, I'm Zach Adams. I hope you join me again this time next week for the Outlaw Radio Show. You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.